listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 224. Which you know what, Paige? It's almost Christmas time. That's right. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. And Merry Christmas to all of our established and older listeners. And Merry Christmas to all of our new listeners. And Merry Christmas to everybody that hears this. And if you don't practice Christmas, happy holidays. Yeah. And if you don't practice holidays, we still love you. <laughs> <laughs> Although we wonder why you don't practice holidays, but still... We're getting toward the end of the year. It's the holiday season. It's actually cold outside for Houston. It's below 70. <laughs> no kidding. Christmas decorations are up. The house is lit. Presents are almost wrapped. By the, I guess by the time people hear I put this, all mine in just Amazon. Boxes. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier. But yeah, we just want to wish each and every one of y'all just a wonderful end of the year, wonderful holiday season. We'll be back strong in 2021. But speaking of comeback strong, we got a review. And it says, Mark, you're hot. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, I know. I'm sorry. You made me blush again from that last. I like that was. It's completely out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I, I you. I don't get those type of reviews. I wish. <laughs> no, I did. people tell you how you need a dress and stuff. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that one. I get the opposite. You're hot. <laughs> All right. But Um, anyway, this review is a five star. Great overview of oil and gas. Great review of some of the global moves in the oil and gas sector. Clearly, the hosts have done their homework and know the industry well. I like the international perspective. If you've ever wanted to know why the big international companies make moves the way they do, you should listen to this from H Shield 79 via Apple Podcasts in Canada. From Canada. All right, so what's our first news story? Oh, well, so North Face turns back on West Texas Oil and Gas Company. This is really sad. This, it's really um, sad because we know some of the players here. Well, yes. So a company called Innovex Downhold Solutions, their CEO wanted to get some really cool Christmas gifts for their employees. So they went to North Face, which is not inexpensive, and they were get jackets made for their entire crew with their logo on it. And North Face said no. North Face said, no, because we don't want to support the oil and gas industry in the same way we don't want to support porn or tobacco. Now, the reason this really got under my collar is, number one, the very jackets that they don't want to make are made from hydrocarbons, Mm -hmm. right? So, North Face, your business could not exist without the oil and gas industry. Correct. Number two, your parent company makes FR clothing for the oil and gas industry. And I'm very, very familiar with them. Yeah, we're extremely familiar with them. They're actually really good people. Yes, absolutely. By far, yes. Um, don't know the, the management at North Face, do know the management, their parent company, but this is wrong on so many different levels. And then, I don't know if you've seen it on social media, this has created a bit of a firestorm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, I don't haven't seen what North Face's newest response is. Their original response is they were going to stand by their decision, and then their next response was, well, they don't want to discriminate against anybody, and then their, their next response is, we should be looking at this deeper. So, I haven't known what their latest one is. But well, that's on, because people have been tagging the VF Corp's uh, yeah, CEO. CEO. Yeah. And so, honestly, people, don't buy North Face stuff. You know, I have a backpack. Toss it. Right, give yeah. it away. It's any company that comes out, and I, I respect their right to not support our industry, but that's only if they were not so hypocritical. Any company that comes out that is this hypocritical really doesn't need anybody's business. Right. I'm not buying anything from them again. Right. Yeah. So you no know, North Face, I don't know why you thought this was a cool move. It's not. It's extremely hypocritical. The very core of your business could not run without hydrocarbons. 
And, you know, it would have been nice if you would have just, you know, once you realize you made a mistake, once you realize that, oh, we, we do make our jackets from nylon, which is a byproduct of hydrocarbons, if you would have came out in public and said, hey, we made a mistake, and it would have been over with. But no more North Face business for me, for sure. All right. So anyway, Texas regulator banned from waiving enforcement rules. Uh, the environmentalists have had a field day with this. The short version of the story is the Texas Railroad Commission, which, by the way, I know we have some listeners that ask me every time I mention Texas Railroad Commission oil. It does not regulate the Railroad Commission it's or the, the railroads There's of a Texas. history there, people. Yes. If, if you go back far enough, if you do the research, Google it, you can figure it out. But the Texas Railroad Commission regulates the oil and gas industry in Texas. That's just the name of the regulatory body. Sorry, it has railroad in the name. But anyway, what Texas Railroad Commission wanted to do is help. Actually, let me back up. If you don't know this, most of the oil and gas, most of the hydrocarbons produced in the U.S. are produced by small independent operators, not the major players, right? Right. And so when this pandemic happened, it hurt the small players way worse than hurt the big players. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know the big players are hurting too. And so what Texas Road Commission is they extended some rules to help with this pandemic shutdown. So basically they gave extensions for cleanups. Yeah, they deadlines. gave extensions for cleanups to help with the financial. They were helping in the only way they could for the financial hardships that these small independent operators had to go through, right? Right. And then the anti-oil and gas people have a conniption with this. It's not that the Texas Railroad Commission said they didn't have to do it. It said you could take a little bit longer to, to do the cleanups that you need to do in order to save money, in order to keep your people working. So this really, this judgment really hurts the smaller independent producers who tend to be mom and pop shops. And it's just really... F- well, and they even, they even waived fees. So it's like, okay, you're hurting for money and I want you to clean this up. How are you going to be able to clean it up without using money in order to do so? Right. I mean, duh. Yeah. And so, you know, the Texas Road Commission has been banned from enforcing a string of environmental waivers, which we just talked about. The judge that made this call said that the agency had failed to provide the public with adequate advance notice of such moves, which I disagree with. They gave very large advance notice on this on multiple agencies, including social media. So just a shame that a judge had stepped in. This is going to hurt a lot of these small independent producers, which really were on their last gas. My understanding is that the Texas Road Commission is fighting this in court. So let's keep an eye on this. Hopefully, common sense prevails. Yeah, sure hope so. Iran plans to double oil output in 2021 under weaker U.S. sanctions. Now, this title is a bit misleading. This under weaker U.S. sanctions, as of today, there is no weaker U.S. sanctions. What they're hoping for is that the new administration that was just elected will not be, will not play hardball like our previous administration did. And most probably, it's it's going to be it's that's what's going to happen. And so they're going to start producing more. That's just going to drive more money into parts of their population that are are very anti-American. You know, exports are are a big thing. Their exports have just about disappeared. This also caused issues with OPEC, which nobody's really thought through completely yet. And then one of the things that I'm worried about as far as my trading point of view is – are we going to allow more Iranian exports at a time when oil demand is still suppressed, even though they're under sanctions, which if you think about it, it's just so wrong on so many different levels. So we're going to keep an eye on the, the Iranian oil market. Not real sure where this is going, but th- this is definitely a signal from Iran that they think our current administration is going to let them get away with more. Right. All right. We touched on this last show. Oil rigs may end their days as valuable artificial reefs, except this is in the North Sea. 
in the North Sea. So it's a totally different environment, right. uh, much colder, much deeper. But here's what's really cool is what the Norwegians did is they put cameras in a lot of these rigs, the rig to reef program. And so now you oh, can Oh, that's log so in. cool. You can if, see. Yeah, well, you can do it right now in, in real time. In oh, fact, that's nice. if we get Savannah to throw a link in. Just, and so you can look at these cameras on these rigs in North Sea and you'll see all kinds of, what's the word I'm looking for? Flounder, halibut cod, all kinds of the flatfish or the bottom fish feeding in these artificial reefs. Then the other thing is all the dolphins you see and porpoises because, of course, there's more food for them. And so you see them swimming and enjoying themselves, enjoying themselves as much as you can in the North Sea as a porpoise. <laughs> a um, and then the cod, right? And so this is a boom for wildlife in a part of the world where the conditions are extremely hard for, for wildlife and where coral doesn't grow. Right, so they have stony reefs. Do you uh, say Carl or coral? Coral. <laughs> I was like, who's Carl? <laughs> well, Carl may not grow in the North Sea either, <laughs> but coral doesn't okay. grow in the North Sea, and so they have stony reefs, which tend to have much slower growing fauna, like sponges and that sort of stuff. But this is just increasing the biodiversity in the North Sea by taking something which normally would have been turned into scrap and actually using it to help bolster wildlife. So you know, like we talked about last time, this is just an, an incredible story. It's a win-win. All the way around, no matter how you want to look at it. All right. So the next one is Russia restarts Nord Stream 2 pipeline construction despite U.S. sanctions. I think the key word for the week is sanctions. Yeah. You want to know why they're doing this? Why? I can repeat what I talked about Iran. Yeah. Our newest administration that's coming in, Russia's pretty sure that, that the new administration is not going to play hardball like our previous administration. This is that pipeline we talked about maybe almost a year ago, which is going to basically bypass Ukraine and supply natural gas to Europe through Germany. You know, Russia still has a chokehold on the European energy market, no matter what anybody wants to say. That was starting to be fixed or changed with our last administration, plus our ability to export LNG to Europe. Now, because of things that are going on, a lot of that stuff's in doubt now, which only is going to lead to Russia's strengthening its chokehold on Europe. Once this pipeline gets built, and I'm now convinced that it will get built, it's going to provide a lot of natural gas to Europe, which Europe needs to keep everybody warm. But at the same time, you're now moving European economic prosperity, parts of European economic prosperity to Russia. Not that Russia doesn't need it. If I, you know, if I was Russia, I'd be doing this exact same thing too. I really do, though, from a geopolitical point of view, I really would like to see the U.S. be able to supply more of the European energy needs. Number one, it gives competition to Russia, and competition is always good for everybody. But number two, we can actually do it cheaper than Russia can, you know, and that just benefits the, the world. And that's why they called our sanctions unfair competition, right? Yeah, that's no, exactly right. Yeah. Because we can provide it cheaper than Russia. So, and then this bypass in Ukraine, there's a whole subset of geopolitical warfare intrigue around Russia and Ukraine that I don't want to get into here, but you know, this is not going to help Ukraine either. Yeah. All right. So the next one is China and Malaysia and another stare down over offshore drilling. We talked about this a while back. Basically, there's a lot of contention in the South China Sea. And the reason there's a lot of contention is China came out of nowhere and says, we own everything. I know I'm paraphrasing. No, no, that that sounds pretty accurate. I know I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's issues, right? We talked earlier about how Australia has an issue with China. Japan has an issue with China. Korea has an issue with China. Malaysia has an issue with China. Pretty sure if you're China right now, you you don't have a lot of friends in that part of the world. 
But the Malaysia and the the Royal Malaysian Navy and the Chinese Coast Guard, two warships came head to head. No shots were fired. Eventually, the patrols backed off after a little bit of negotiation. But this is not the first time this thing has happened. This will not be the last thing this thing has happened. And the thing I'm worried about is that this is the perfect situation for somebody to make a wrong move. So somebody on one of the ships, you know, that makes a mistake, that pushes a button, that shouldn't be pushed, and all of a sudden hostilities erupt. And once hostilities erupt, it's going to be a mess. China has a, a small but pretty substantial navy, but the entire Asia-Pacific region, based on history, does not like China because of the, the past. Yeah. And so the moment this firecracker gets lit, you're going to see Japan, Korea, Vietnam, and China is not going to be able to stand up to that, not to mention they're all U.S. allies. And China knows this. It's almost like China's playing a game of chicken. And I don't want this to be a theme of this show, but the reason I think China feels confident in playing a game of chicken is our newly elected yeah, administration. Right. You know, so you're seeing what's happened in U.S. politics change other countries' views of what they can and cannot get away with. And you've seen them pushing the envelope. So let's hope that our current administration sees the potential risk here yeah. and steps in before things get heated. Yeah, let's hope. All right. So this one's interesting. Piracy attacks on oil facilities and vessels, an issue the U.S. could soon face. Yeah, so typically when you think of piracy, you think of Africa, right? maybe parts of the Mediterranean, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. not South Gulf of Mexico. Right, right? yeah. And I know they're talking about Mex- Mexico here, but the Bay of Campeche is not that far away from U.S. waters right. at all. I know. And we're already having piracy. And the pirates come, there's two different things the pirates are after. Number one is something called credit card ransoms. So basically they board the ship or the vessel and they want somebody to basically take a credit card or in a lot of cases blockchain and transfer money to account and they give the vessel back, right? The other thing is they actually really take them hostage. Yeah. Right? And they want what's on the vessel. They want the people. They can individually get ransom for each of the individual people there. Different governments step in. This is one of those things that U.S. policymakers, this, this should not be a political agenda at all. This is one of the things that U.S. policymakers need to take note of and go ahead and get the U.S. Coast Guard and the U.S. Navy involved. The quicker we can shut down piracy in the parts of the Gulf of Mexico that are near U.S. waters, the more protection we'll have for not only the U.S. citizens, but for people from other countries that are doing work in the Gulf of Mexico. We do not let need to let this thing go on. The moment the first pirate pulls a U.S. tanker over and actually gets some type of monetary compensation, you're starting a trend. We cannot start a trend, yeah. right? So typically, I have a, a layer of restraint and diplomacy around stuff. This is not one of those times. Yeah. Meet the cruise liner for ships. Massive carrier craft can hold up to 22 barges and even an oil rig on its back. Okay, people, go to the show notes and click on this link. You have to see this. It boggles the mind that humans can build a ship big enough to handle, to hold all these other ships. I mean, it looks fake, but I know it's not. This is the Blue Marlin. Uh, it's specifically designed to as the largest cargo transport ship in the world. It can move other vessels all over the world. It's 712 feet long and 138 feet deep. The deck is the size of two football fields. It hits 13 knots, which is believably, unbelievably slow. Yeah. It's 1,700 horsepower to hit 13 <laughs> knots. They say trying to steer this thing is like trying to control a floating block. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. It's massive. But the cool thing is no crane in the world, no offshore crane in the world is big enough to lift these big vessels onto this even bigger vessel. So you know what it does, Paige? Is it a semi-submersible? Yeah, it sinks itself. Good. They drive the bigger ships over and then it, it pumps the water back out of the ballast tanks and it picks these things up. Yeah, y'all have to see this, people. I tell you what, anytime you get a little bit concerned about what's going on with humankind, when you see this type of engineering and project management, you go, 
we can do anything. I want to see this on mega structures. Oh, we that should. I, cool. I bet we can. I bet we can find some video of it. But just incredible, incredible, incredible piece of engineering, piece of machinery. And you know what else, Paige? Hmm. They have one of the best safety records in the maritime industry. Oh, awesome. There's something that big, that massive. They have an unbelievable, impeccable safety record. Yeah. That, oh, wow. That's, yeah. So not only are they doing stuff that nobody else could do, they're doing it safer than you. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Contentious. New Jersey River Terminal to export fracked Pennsylvania natural gas gets final approval. Yeah, this has been going back and forth for, golly, I don't know how long, at least two years probably. Yeah. So this is basically a terminal that they're trying to build to export LNG to the rest of the world. They keep getting pretty severe and pretty well orchestrated pushback from environmentalists. The environmentalists have worked really hard. One of the words environment, and which by which by the way, environmentalists, I don't agree with you, but I will tell you this much. Y'all come up with some really cool words. So one of the things that the environmentalists brought up to help keep this thing from happening is that not only would this project worsen climate change, which it won't, but it's going to attract 100-car bomb trains. What? <laughs> bomb trains. Bomb, tra- bomb what trains. E- what does that even mean? So they're going to ship a lot of this LNG via rail to the terminal. Oh, and so the environmentalists are saying okay. these are bomb trains. So technically, yes, the LNG will burn. And if you have it in an enclosed environment and there's and you have the gas, it is explosive. Typically, though, because LNG is extremely cold under extremely high pressure, if you have a leak, it just vents the atmosphere. It doesn't blow up, right? And it's just, it's just all a- science. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is they're worried about how it's. They're saying that it's going to destroy the Delaware River. The amount of barge traffic is not going to increase. And actually, if they build this terminal, the traffic in will be by the LNG tankers, which actually have a V-shaped bottom, so create less wave action, which is what destroys the the banks and the. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, the, the actual flat bottom barges. So if you really want to protect the river, get more of these V-shaped tankers in there because that. That part of the zone where the water hits the land is one of the most environmentally sensitive areas ever. Think yeah, about marsh, sense. like where we're yeah, from Louisiana, exactly. right? Yeah. And so the LNG tankers will actually have less wave action, which will destroy less of the banks of the river. Not sure who's working on the wildlife side of the anti-environmentalists. But it looks like the project developer is just about ready to start work, and then environmentalists stopped it. So they got 60 days for environmentalists to prove that this would impact both the river and, and the wildlife there. If they can't prove it in 60 days, work will finally start. This just needs to happen. This this is not this is not an environmental issue at all. This is a, a logistical issue, a logistical project that will actually help the people in Pennsylvania. You know, If you're worried about your environment in New Jersey, people, I suspect there's other things you probably want to go pay a little bit more attention to. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. All right. Rig count sees largest one week increase since January. That is awesome. It's going Yay. in the right direction. Yeah. And I said um, that last time and there hasn't been much change since. So I'm not going to announce the new one this time. Well, so the but, cool thing is that the EIA's estimate for U.S. production is staying around 11 million barrels for the second week in a row. Now, with our rig count going up, that's telling me that people are starting to drill again. So we're not completing pre already pre-drilled wells or ducks, right? Yep. We're actually drilling new wells, which is telling me that the people that are drilling these new wells see the price of crude coming back in the next 12 months. And, of course, if you paid attention to my predictions, you know, I think it's coming back the second quarter of 2021. Want to pay attention to this, want to pay attention to the frack spread count, but this is really good news for our industry. This is, like I said, this is the light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to see more and more of this as we ease into 2021, and it's just good for everyone. Well, and I've just, I've seen an, an increase in applications for a permit to drill. Have so, you? Yeah. Quite that's a bit. awesome, so, too. Yeah. Well, that's part of the reason the rig's probably moving to get to where they need to go. So, so speaking of so, 
You want your IBM t-shirt? Pretty simple thing to do, folks. We tell you this every week. Go to the show notes, click on the link, sign up. Do not a- ask us for one because we don't have one <laughs> yeah, either. <laughs> we get that a lot. People ask us. Or they, offer to, that, they offer us money to buy it, and we will not do that. It's unethical. No. Although we've been offered a lot of money. But go to the show notes, click on the link, register. If you don't win, you can register every week. And then if you do have one of these IBM shirts, there's a unique serial number on it. We try to do a giveaway and it didn't work for some reason. So we're going to try something different in 2021. So keep track of that unique serial numbers on your shirt. Weekly rig count page. Well, it didn't move much. So. Didn't move much. So no, so I'm just going to leave it where it is. Well, speaking of leaving it where it is, if you want to have some fun, go to, <laughs> go to LinkedIn, join our group, join our street team where we ask you for a little volunteer work. Follow our company page. Follow our company page. And then by now, the Oil and Gas This Week website has disappeared from public view. If you want to ask a question for First Friday Q&A, and why would you not want to ask a question for First Friday Q&A, just go to OGGN.com, go to Oil and Gas This Week page, and you'll see the form field. No more marriage proposals, people. No more weird (laughs) reviews telling me I'm hot. (laughs) Thank you. Marriage proposal. That's a new one. No, that was, we got that on. Uh, oh, that's, first, that was right. That's right. I forgot Q&A, about that. And I'm yeah. just like, really? This is happening? <laughs> we just um, started. The other thing is you should be able to type in oilandgasthisweek.com. And it should bring you to the right page in OGGN. If, if that, that should be working by the time you, you hear this. Yeah. And then events. 2021 is going to be a different year for events, but we have stuff planned both live and virtual. If you don't know this by now, I guess you haven't been listening, but we have this monthly oil and gas events newsletter. We take all the oil and gas events, put them together, put it in your inbox once a month for free. And it often includes stuff that people don't know about. Discounts, free tickets, invitation only stuff. So it's pretty cool. And then if you want myself or any of our the OGGN hosts to come speak at your event, reach out to me and be happy to share the details. We talked about First Friday Q&A. Remember, the goal is not to stump Paige and I. The goal is to help educate your fellow listeners. Ready to get out of here? Yeah. And everybody have a safe and wonderful holiday season with your family if you are able to do so. Wash your hands. <laughs> Wash your hands. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Remember, folks, do great work. Pay it forward. And we will see you next time. And here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for December 2020. This month we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two OGGN live streams, and on the third, we have Moving Up in a Downturn, and on the eighth, we have Quality Management in a Down Economy. The only in-person event we have this month is the API and SPE Houston Chapter Luncheon about the rebuilding of the American oil field, which will be at the Petroleum Club on the 8th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for December, and I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.